you know, we see all five purposes of the church in that passage. We're going to talk about the church and what's the purpose of the church and, and who are the church. That's what we're talking about today. And, you know, there's a book written some 20 years ago, maybe a little more, called Purpose Driven Church. And it makes a case that there are five purposes of the church. Evangelism, discipleship, worship, ministry, and fellowship. And I have agreed with that for the last, ever since I read it, some 13 or so years ago. Evangelism, discipleship, worship, ministry, and fellowship. Ultimately, I believe that if we are really being disciples, that should lead to evangelism and worship and ministry and fellowship. Because disciples should worship God. Disciples should reach out in evangelism, make disciples. Disciples should serve and minister. Disciples should fellowship. Discipleship should compel and convict us to the other four purposes of the church. I was weighing heavily how I want to approach some of these things today, and so we'll see how it comes out. But as I start today, I want to talk about church hunters. Um, I think there's a show on Home and Garden TV. I don't really watch that channel any more than my wife forces me to. And uh, I think there's like house hunters, you know, and hotel hunters, and everybody's hunting. People even think there's a Bigfoot or something. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, these people, like, on these TV shows, they always want to hunt something down. And there's a Christian comedian, John Christ. He's actually going to be at Winter Jam uh, next week for you guys that are going there. And he's a pastor's kid and a uh, Christian comedian. And he makes these little spoof videos. And two of them he called church hunters. And to introduce a topic... I'm going to play this short two-minute video about church hunters. And remember, it's comedy. It's, it's, it's done in humor. Though even in the humor, there is a message, which we'll get into after this. Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. I'm Corey Clark, and welcome to Church Hunters. We're so excited to find a church. We just started dating. Um, with the churches we go to now, just not, like for us, just not really doing it for us, you know? Right. I, I go to a satellite campus. I just find it hard to connect emotionally with a video screen. It's just... Oh, okay. You cry during Cake Boss. So, like, we've been doing a lot of services online, a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of preachers we do like. Really good. But we want, we want serious yet funny. Yeah, like commanding of the stage yet relatable, you mm -hmm. know? We're more looking for uh, the humor of Andy Stanley with the body of Stephen Furtick. Hey guys, What's happening? I'm Corey. Good to see you. My name's Nick. This hey, is Molly. Molly. Hey guys, welcome to Church Hunters. This is your first church. This is Creekside First Baptist. So while it is traditional, it's still pretty current. Just okay. this year, the pastor started untucking his shirts. Oh, wow. that's good. Big deal. He does dress his age though, so don't worry. He's past the Osteen suit phase, but he hasn't gone full Giglio yet. Okay, oh. so he's holes in the knees or no? Well, it's frayed, but no holes. Frayed, oh. no. Okay, got it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So hey, let me show you around. Okay, right, let's come on. Do it. I do love this lobby. It's a great lobby. You know, yeah. it's not too big, not too small. Yeah. It should be enough room to catch up, chat with your friends. So you but here's a great thing. There's a bunch of side exits, so if you need to leave early and catch the game, you can do that. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Wow. 
Honestly, right up front, uh, didn't love the name. No, I, First Baptist? Who names a church that anymore? I just... Not these days. We're looking no. for like a Thrive Church, maybe Relevant Church, I don't know, Radiant Church, something. This is the soundboard they use here. Now remember, it's pretty traditional here. So when Sunday comes around, they turn it way down low. Got it, <laughs> yeah. But the one knock on this church, they still use the child care numbering system on the screens. Ooh, oh. yeah. Yep. Or as the moms like to call it, the sanctuary walk of shame. Yeah. <laughs> the Sunday morning experience was just a little too traditional for, for us. For us, I mean, the pastor's main point, 157 characters. I can't tweet that. I really think you guys are gonna love this place. I like we it. We do, we like Feels it, great. yeah. You know, it's diverse, but it's not like too diverse, you know? Scripture heavy sermons? Oh, or, yeah. 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 What about uh, as a community oriented? Absolutely. Great. Oh, women in ministry? The parking situation, you guys got to see it. Super rare nowadays. Come with me. There's like a, a maybe for when my parents we'll come into to town yeah. for a church for Christmas, Easter type of church. Like a holiday, holiday type church. One of the main reasons that I love this church for you guys is that on your personality test, Molly, you scored high in service and hospitality. Oh, babe. And there's wow. a great welcome team you could join. Perfect. Okay. And then Nick, you scored really high in need for accountability. Wow. <laughs> and the men's groups here are amazing. You're just, you're just going to put that out there? Hey, just God like knows that? your heart, okay? on the next episode of Church Hunters. I think you're really gonna love this place. They take relevance to a whole new level. This church identifies as inter-denon-denominational. This pastor speaks out of a brand new translation. It's the Tumblr Bible. So we bake church into a commodity, don't we? A commodity to be sold, and we make it into a idea of shopping and a raw material to be sold or marketed. And I don't know that that's what God called the church to be. I really don't. And certainly we want to connect with everybody as best as we can. And we do have different ministries that do meet different needs. And there are certain business aspects to the church, but maybe not to that degree. I know many churches with fog machines in their worship service. I don't know their purpose, but I really do not agree and would be entirely unreservedly opposed to a fog machine in our worship. It seems like it's almost copying a pop culture idea of a concert. And I don't know if our music part of our worship is meant to be a concert on Sunday morning. I know of churches that begin their worship service with Beatles songs. I don't know their purpose. Actually, I do. I do know their purpose. I do know their purpose. They are so intent on reaching the lost, and that is a good thing. But instead, they sing songs written by this band that I would say do not glorify God. They're not worship songs. They're pop culture songs. Their intent, their motivation is good. They want to connect with and make people feel comfortable. But I think they go about it the wrong way. Don't agree with that either. A.W. Tozer has said that we were created to worship, and so what I, I would also say, why would we compromise worship on our Sunday morning gathering? Why compromise worship? I would also say, why when the whole body of Christ comes together, why do some make it more about a pop concert than glorifying the King of Kings? I know why these churches do it. I respect that. I respect their motivation. They wish to reach more people with the gospel. They think if they start with a Beatles song and turn the sanctuary into a stadium, people will feel more comfortable and be more receptive to the message. 
However, and I'm reading this part because I have it written a certain way. However, if we compromise Christianity in order to reach people, we should expect that we are compromising discipleship. And if we compromise worship in order to reach people, we are falsifying Christianity in order to reach people. If we compromise worship in order to reach people, we are being disingenuous. And we are lacking integrity by misrepresenting Christianity and the claims of Christ from the very beginning. Therefore, people could think they are committing to Christianity, but they are not. They are committing to a pop culture skewed view of Christianity, which is not biblical Christianity. This is what happens when we make our worship service our main evangelism outreach. This is grave danger. This can lead to major problems when they when this can lead to lead to major problems in the church. If we compromise worship in order to reach people, then we ought not to be surprised when they really do not know worship themselves. So you know, I'm in a sermon series focused on doctrine, on theology, on the study of God. I'm calling it the study of God. And part of the study of God is the church. What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of the church? And, you know, I just wanted to talk about it as worship because when we come together as a body of Christ, we come together on Sunday morning. And I believe when we come together on Sunday morning, the purpose is worship. And I believe that we are all called to worship. Every Christian, every one of you, if you're a believer in Christ, God has called you to worship him. You are called to worship. But the church as a whole, as a community, as a corporate body, is called to evangelism and discipleship. To bring people into a right relationship with God so they can worship. Listen, if we reach people with the gospel, if we make disciples, we are having more worshipers. And more evangelists. And more ministers. And more people in fellowship. I was going to say fellowshippers. But I don't know that that's grammatically right. So an application, don't forget evangelism is that is sin. It is a sin of omission to neglect evangelism. But don't compromise worship, which we are called to do. I, we read one of the passages about the church, Acts 2, 37 through 47. Ryan read it, and we saw all five purposes of the church there, evangelism, discipleship, worship, ministry, and fellowship. But I want to read this passage. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. And in this passage, it's, it's talking about Jesus. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the head of the church. Major theological truth there. So what is the church? 
The passage just said Jesus is the head of the church. We also see this in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. Uh, the church is called the bride of Christ in Ephesians 5, 22 through 25. In Revelation 19, 7 through 8, we see this idea of the church as the bride of Christ. It's on the screen. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The church is the bride of Christ. And sometime, someday, Jesus is going to come again. And he's going to raise up Christians to be with him. And we will have the marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus and with other Christians. So you better love each other. Because you're going to be with each other for eternity. And perfect unity. Church is the bride of Christ. We see Revelation 21 through 6 talks about that. Uh, the church is a body of believers who are called out of the world to serve Jesus. We are called out of the world to serve Jesus. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. There are many metaphors of the church, too many to name. God has not called us to live the Christian life alone, but to be networked together. We are a community. We are called to be networked together. So now who are the church? Listen, every believer in Jesus Christ is part of the church. Here, we got a little activity. Put your pointer finger in the air. Pointer finger, everybody. Everybody needs to participate. Point at yourself. Say, I am the church. If you are a Christian, you are part of the church. The church is not a building. We meet in a building, but the church is a body of believers. That's why on Sunday morning, I had a pastor I served under, and he encouraged me to say, we go to worship. We don't come to church. We are the church. We come to worship. And when we come together, whether it's Sunday morning or Sunday night, we come to worship. Now, get this. As Christians, you are called to worship every day of the week. So you come together for corporate community worship on Sunday morning. But we go out to continue worshiping, but also to share the gospel with other people, to minister to other people, to make disciples, to fellowship. They're those five purposes purpose of the church. I want to talk about five purposes of the church, but ultimately I believe every Christian, if every Christian is a disciple, that should lead to evangelism, worship, ministry, and fellowship. I know I'm reviewing now. So, but we have to evaluate. How are you doing? How are you doing with evangelism? How many times have you shared your faith? How are you doing as a disciple? To make disciples means to share the gospel with other people. And to don't stop there. You partner with them and you teach them the Bible. You teach them the spiritual disciplines. You shepherd them. You mentor them. Are you living like Jesus? Being a disciple means are you living like Jesus? Are you trying to live like Jesus? Or is that only for Sunday mornings? How are you doing with worship? Do you worship Jesus? How about ministry? Are you serving? Are you serving other people? Sometimes we focus on the corporate body as a church to do this. But in reality, every believer is called to do this stuff. Every one of us is called to share it, share the gospel with other people, to serve at a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter or serve a neighbor in need to help each other out. We're all called to do that. Not just, as a, not just when the church as a whole does it together. We're called to do it all the time. You see a need, try to meet it. Take care of it. How about fellowship? Are you connected to the body of Christ? Fellowship is a secret sauce of the church. I believe it's like Big Mac sauce. 
it's, <laughs> it's great when a church has sweet, sweet fellowship. Everybody wants to be part of the church because we're such a great family. Francis Chan shares a story. Francis Chan. They reached a gang member at his church. They reached a gang member. This guy left the gang and started coming to his church and gave his heart to Christ and started growing. But then they didn't see him for a while. So Francis Chan tracked him down and said, you know, what's going on? And the guy said, you know, when I was with the gang, it was like a family. So we went back to the gang. And that broke Francis Chan's heart that the church could not have the same quality of family as this man's gang. Every believer is to be involved in those five areas of evangelism, discipleship, worship, ministry, and fellowship. But what about the church? The church must mobilize people for the task. If we're talking about the corporate body of believers, the corporate church, we must mobilize people for these tasks. we got to do that. Ultimately, I believe we are created to worship God, and discipleship teaches us that. But that is the Christian. Ultimately, I believe the church is God's military organization to evangelize, but also to support one another as we share the gospel and live the Christian faith, the Christian life. We mobilize people. We, we equip them. I heard somebody compare it to a barracks. You know, if you're, in, if you're in war and you're in a military zone, you come back to the base and you recharge and you, and you get fuel and you get ammunition. And then you go out into that war zone again and keep fighting the battle. We come together as a body of believers on a Sunday morning. We get recharged. We get encouraged. We worship together. You know, we study the Bible together. But we go out to share the gospel, to serve to fellowship, to keep worshiping. The church is called to evangelism. Look at this. I'm going I'm to speed through it. It was read once before. Acts 2, 42 through 47. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Fellowship, teaching, that's discipleship. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. There's worship, there's awe, there's adoration. And all those who had believed were together. They had all things in common. This is fellowship. This is fellowship. And they began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing with one as anyone might have need. They're ministering. They're meeting needs. They're serving. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see all five of those purposes of the church here. You see them all here. They're devoting themselves to teaching. They're worshiping. They're ministering. The Lord is adding to their number. I've said this before, and I mean it. There are many churches that must apologize, must apologize for neglecting evangelism. And that is a sin of omission. Or you must apologize for compromising worship with the goal of evangelism. And that is equally a sin. We don't compromise worship for evangelism. But we best not compromise evangelism either. They're both critical. We don't compromise our worship for evangelism. We include evangelism in all of our ministries. If we are about evangelism throughout the week, then we simply we keep worship the same when we come together. The whole book of Acts is about church planting and spreading the gospel. The whole New Testament is about spreading the gospel. It's all there. Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Romans 15, 20. And thus I aspire to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. Paul's desire was to take the gospel where the gospel had not been heard yet. He wanted to go to Spain with the gospel. He wanted to take the gospel everywhere. The New Testament is all about the spread of the gospel. Are we? Listen, people do not care about our gospel because we do not care enough to share it. It is so true, and I believe it. We don't care enough to share it. But that doesn't mean our Sunday morning worship gathering should be diluted in order to make it a Beatles concert. The purpose of our Sunday morning worship gathering is not evangelism. Now, I will share the gospel wherever people are, and we need to. Visitors come, and if you're a visitor, that's great. We welcome you here. But our purpose is not to try to dilute worship in order to make it into a concert. We are called to evangelize. The church is called to mobilize and encourage and equip you to share the gospel so that there are more worshipers. Listen, if we are making disciples, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If we are making disciples, there are more worshipers. And that's exactly what Tozer was talking about when he said you are called to worship. As we make disciples, we're all invited into the worship of our king. The church as a community should have more invitational opportunities for evangelism. We need more opportunities to outreach. We need more opportunities to connect with the world. Again, we need this because we need to reach people with the hope of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. How are we reaching them? Celebrate Recovery would be great. It's a Christian-based recovery group, and that would help us reach the community. That would be an invitational opportunity to serve people and connect with the world. This building, I believe it, should be filled with God-honoring community need-meeting events throughout the week. And we're looking into those. I'm looking into those. Mops, mothers of preschoolers. Fill up the building with Christian classes for parents and children. Fill up the building with Christian counseling. Fill up the building with opportunities to connect with the world. If we believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except by him and through him, we need to share him with the world. We need to go out. We need to make disciples so that we create more worshipers. That's God's heart. It really is. You know that later on in the New Testament, Peter writes, people are asking, why hasn't Jesus come again? When's Jesus going to come? When's the rapture of the church going to happen? And Peter says, Jesus is waiting. He doesn't want any to perish but all to come to repentance, all to come to eternal life. You are the church. And where you go, you are to infect people with Jesus. You are called to be contagious. The church is called a discipleship. Don't forget the disciples worship, disciples minister, disciples fellowship, disciples make disciples. True disciples share the gospel. I know I've shared that already. Jesus has not called us to be fans, but to be followers of Jesus. Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross every day and follow. We're called to be followers of Jesus. We're not called to be fans of Jesus. Fans, watch the Eagles beat the Patriots. We enjoy it. We are not sore on Sunday morning, on Monday morning, from the Sunday night football game. If you're sore, it's maybe because you ate too many chips, you know. You're not sore because of that. The players are on the field getting beat up. Christians are called to be players on the field. Jesus wants to use us. 
to accomplish his mission, to make disciples of all nations. But the church is called to worship. Compromising worship for evangelism is like compromising our entire view of purity in order to find a spouse. And people do that. People do it. Think about it. Christians have been doing that for at least 60 years. Christians, even parents, would rather their children graduate from college than remain sexually pure. College is way more important to the Christian parent than sexual purity. Christian children are raised with a certain view of purity, and then they throw it out on the first date. So why are we surprised when we do the same thing with worship? We have a biblical view of worship and discipleship, and we throw it out with the goal of marrying more people. We compromise. We compromise. We compromise. The worship service is for the groom. The worship service is not for you. It's not for me. The worship service is for King Jesus. But the rest of the week, the rest of the ministry is about reaching more people with the gospel so they can join us in worshiping Jesus and help reach other people with the gospel. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Let the word of Christ roll in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is worship. This is worship. Revelation 4, 8 through 11. Last scripture, I think. And the four living creatures, each one of them have six wings, are full of eyes around and within. Day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him. They worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. We're called to worship, but we're also called to minister. We're called to serve. We're called to fellowship. I started this sermon talking about churches that I believe compromise worship with the idea of evangelism. But remember, it is also a sin to neglect to share the gospel. Neglecting to share the gospel compromises worship as well because in neglecting evangelism, we have less worshipers. Who are the church? You are. What is the church? The body and bride of Christ. What are we called to do? You are called to worship. We are called to evangelism, discipleship, worship, ministry, and fellowship as a body of Christ. And we, as a church leadership, have got to look back and take a 50,000-foot view and say, are we making disciples? Are we helping them worship? Are we ministering to people? What's our fellowship like? Do we have fellowship? We have to analyze and make sure we are meeting all those purposes of the church. So the question for you right now, though, is are you a worshiper of King Jesus? Because I believe every Christ follower is called to worship. And the first step of being a worshiper is to restore your relationship with Jesus. God created us to be with him. He created us to be in a worshipful relationship with him all the time. But our sins, they separate us from God. And sins cannot be removed by good deeds. We're separate from God. Our good deeds are not taking care of them. But God desires that relationship with us. 
So paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. And everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Life is eternal means we will be with Jesus forever. In a worshipful relationship with Jesus forever. Though also in a paradise relationship with Jesus forever. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you call us to worship as Christians. You call us to be disciples. You call the church to make disciples. To make disciples. You call the church to serve, to love, to fellowship, to evangelize. Help us, O Lord. Because we are faced with all kinds of threats all the time. All the time, all kinds of threats. The devil pushes back and... He's trying to push back against your holy church, God. He's trying to push back against the bride of Christ. But Jesus, we know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So be with us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we sing hymn 547, the church's one foundation.